12 of the Paradise can be paired with Canto 11 because, as in Canto 11, a Dominican, St Thomas Aquinas, had praised the founder of the Franciscans, Francis. So here in Canto 12, a Franciscan, Bonaventure, will praise the founder of the Dominicans, St Dominic. And the deep spiritual significance of this is emphasised at the beginning of Canto 12, because this isn't just a kind of commentary on the fights which were going on between the Dominican and the Franciscan order in Dante the poet's own time. Um, you know, it's very striking that these high moments of spiritual innovation with these two extraordinary spiritual adepts, Francis and Dominic, very quickly, um, within a generation of their founders' deaths, led to fragmentation and difficulty, both within the orders and between the orders. You know, the spiritual vision Dante is acknowledging implicitly here, the spiritual vision is very, very tricky to hold here on earth. But the way that the spiritual vision can be held imaginatively and in heaven is emphasised by the way that Canto 12 opens because Dante describes the inner circle now being joined by an outer circle. Um, he's been seeing these lights dancing around him that are more intense than the light of the sun here in the heaven of the sun, but they themselves are just a reflection of the divine light. Um, and so we're constantly being asked to do this thing of seeing the most manifest light, sensing its inner light with the eye of the mind and sensing how that inner light actually is brighter, and then sensing the source of all the brightness, all the light, which is the divine itself. And so being asked to tune into um, the source of light, um, which moves beyond the manifest, much as spiritual light moves beyond the very evidently manifest light of the sun. So these two circles appearing um, are likened to the two rainbows that you can see when you really see a full rainbow in the sky. You don't just see the first rainbow, but round um, that can be seen arching a second rainbow. And the inner rainbow is the kind of source, if you like, of the outer rainbow, um, which it's a reflection of. Um, but because um, the light is so wonderful, it produces these echoing effects. And Dante is very much of the view that um, the light can only really be seen in its fullest extent when it's understood um, with the mind um, as much as with the devotion. The two must couple together. Wisdom and love must be brought together in order to see this deeper light. And so that's partly what he's indicating here at the beginning of Canto 12 with this double rainbow image. Um, the two circles now of uh, moving and dancing lights, um, we've met the full array of the 12 inner circle in the previous Canto, the figurehead of St Thomas Aquinas. There we're going to meet and have named the outer circle here now, which will include the figure of St Bonaventure. But again, this sense of um, lights moving like, he says, like millstones turning and enjoying a kind of uh, formal dance almost um, with music, um, he says as well. 
um, inviting us into this kind of cascading effect that ascends back up the divine cascade which had ascended down into our world. And another nice allusion he gives to help us get a sense of this is he says that the music that he heard here in the heaven of the sun, of the sun um, was really, um, he realised was this just the source of the music which is heard on earth, the music of the sirens, and even it was just the source of the music of the muses, um, of poetry. So both earthly music and earthly poetry, when they're really keenly held, can be heard not just in their self-evident beauty and interest, but also as an echo of the divine music, the divine wisdom. You, you get that a bit, you just think about even words, you know, as a word is spoken, you hear a sound, which is a physical phenomenon. It could be described by physics as vibrations in the air. But you also hear meaning in words when they're spoken. They communicate a sense, even a world to you. But you might ask yourself even more, is there a kind of silence behind the meaning of the word, of which the meaning is just one take, one, one reflection, one fraction of the whole word, the whole meaning that somehow joins together and from which the particular words are spoken. Um, so there's these many levels um, which Dante alludes to now, overtly with the moving of these lights in the heaven of the sun, inviting us to contemplate that and to see further into it. Santo's metaphors and illuminations are important too because this dance is brought about not because all these intellectuals, these theologians, these philosophers, these saints are the same, quite the opposite. Um, not only are they complementary in a way like Francis and Dominic are, but they had their disagreements in life. Um, and I think what Dante is stressing is that whilst disagreement on earth can seem like straightforward conflict, a tension that somehow should be resolved by everyone saying the same thing, in heaven disagreement actually produces a much more subtle notion of unity because the conflicts and the tensions, they can encourage us to look through the immediate dialogue the immediate disagreement in order to see the one truth that these different takes are both trying to express or the many takes are trying to express. Um, Dante likens it to two eyes moving with one will. That's what it looks like to him here now in heaven, um, whereas as it were on earth it can look like disagreeing theological voices are more like a squint perhaps looking like they're not looking in the same direction. Um, so it's a really important insight actually um, as to the nature of dialectic. We'd seen particularly in the sphere of Mercury um, that dialectic and disagreement um, produces a kind of tension that um, can be seen to shine with the divine light in the sphere of Mercury but not be fully resolved. Well now here in the sphere of the Sun with that deeper sight that he has now gained he can see that there is a unity in the diversity and that is going to become an increasingly important theme as they move higher into the heavens, the way that unity and diversity come together um, is going to become clearer and clearer to him um, and it's signalled here now. 
um, he says that as he looked on this, as he contemplated it, as he tried to get a feel for it so he could see it more and more, one of the lights came before him. Um, it shone more brightly, as Thomas Aquinas had shone more brightly before, because it wants to share in its take on the divine light. Um, Dante says he turns to it like the needle turns to the North Star. Um, in the medieval period, it was thought that magnetism was a quality that descended from the heavens, wasn't just held within the earth. And so he's drawn towards this particular point now in the heavens. Um, it is a true north, um, but it's also one of many pointers, many indicators that can take him to the true source of all light, which of course is even beyond um, this celestial magnetism. So Bonaventure steps forward. Um, he is one of the great intellectuals of the Franciscan order, much as Thomas Aquinas was one of the great intellectuals of the Dominican order. Um, in fact, Bonaventure's best work is a description of heavenly ascent, a, an account of what the mind goes through as it rises closer and closer into the divine light of heaven. So it's very appropriate that Dante and he should have a conversation and exchange um, here in the Divine Comedy. Um, they wouldn't have agreed fully, but yet now they're discoursing, teasing out their differences because it's that, those differences that point to the true path. Um, so Dante is kind of practicing what he preaches by bringing forth what Bonaventure said to him here in the Spirit of the Sun. And Bonaventure says that he is now going to sing the praises of Dominic um, to balance the praises of St Francis and in the previous canto. And many commentators will notice how there are direct parallels drawn between the two saints. Um, they're hagiographic and they try to point to the heart of what these great lights brought to earth. Um, but they're complementary as well. Um, so they're seen to be different. And here now, Dominic, for example, is said to have wed faith, where Francis wedded Lady Poverty. Um, Dominic is depicted as a soldier, a warrior for Christ, whereas Francis had been depicted in much more bucolic terms. Um, and this is true to the life of St Dominic. But what he realised was that true wisdom, ably and powerfully because simply directly communicated was going to be really necessary for the church which was um, struggling to understand the upwelling of many actually um, Franciscan-like orders, many mendicant orders that were um, springing up around Europe. The Franciscans and the Dominicans were the first two to be officially recognised um, I guess partly in an effort of the church trying to control what was going on. Um, but um, Dominic realised that in order to respond sort of faithfully in a way to this groundswell of enthusiasm, um, it was going to be necessary to bring keen teaching, but also complemented by a way of life that was impressive because part of what was happening undoubtedly in this medieval time was people reacting against the material excesses of the church um, by returning to a, a kind of evangelical poverty. Um, but as can often be the case with these enthusiasms, um, finding it hard, shall we say, um, actually veering off into what 
were called heresies, misunderstandings of the gospel. And whilst there were definitely atrocities, um, most famously associated with the Dominicans and with Dominic, um, the atrocities of the Albigensian Crusade, um, just in parenthesis, it was to describe the Albigensian Crusade against the Cathars, particularly in southern France, that the word genocide was coined. And there's no doubt about the fact that popes perpetrated terrible crimes against the people who were called Cathars, and of course many got caught up in it who weren't. Um, Dominic's role in this was primarily to argue that the way to truly convert people was not by violence, but was by sight and by heart. And so it seems that his main role had been to live a life that exemplifies the beauty of the Christian truth as he saw it, the Christian gospel, which was by living a life uh, marked by poverty, hence um, the parallels with the Franciscans, but also with powerful preaching. And so he trained his Dominicans as they became um, with the ability to understand the gospel properly um, through education, but then also to have full disputations with the Cathars who had developed a broadly Gnostic or dualistic um, understanding of Christianity. Um, for example, they believed that the material world was evil and they were a very ascetic sect um, that um, often practiced, well, not just the extreme ascetic practices, but, for example, um, Dominic set up religious houses that supported women rescued from the Cathar sect um, who fled because, as is often the way, um, when um, the material world um, is deemed evil, um, women are identified with that materiality and so get into trouble too. Now I say this in full knowledge that nowadays um, the Cathars are often regarded as a noble sect um, and have their own following now. Paradoxically enough because the Cathars have become associated with a text known as the Gospel of the Beloved Companion. Um, ostensibly written by Mary Magdalene. Um, a very amazing text, actually. Um, it reminds me a lot of John's Gospel with its spiritual emphasis, um, but um, many of that, those spiritual elements are magnified um, in the Gospel of the Beloved Companion. Um, and it's been preserved, given its authenticity, um, in the Cathar region, um, and so recently rediscovered near Languedoc, um, so the Cathars have become associated with this spiritual text and so in many people's minds um, have taken on this noble quality, coupled also to the horrors of the Albigensian Crusade. And also because since, of course, um, the Dominicans have become very closely associated with the Inquisition, um, which no doubt some of Dominic's own followers did become caught up in, and that too, at times, could be very brutal. Um, it's worth just balancing out the kind of caricature of the Inquisition um, with the desire to understand the gospel correctly because understanding is seeing. Um, it is to see more penetratingly, to perceive more directly the divine truth, um, very much Dante's message, um, but not for a moment wanting to overlook how here on earth when humans want to get inside each other's minds, they very often resort to horror and to torture and to abuse and to the effort to get correct 
confessions um, and you know that is I think in a way it's partly what happens when there's too much of a compulsion to make heaven on earth and not to understand what Dante is actually driving at in part here in the heaven of the sun which is that actually it's only in the spiritual realms that these tensions can really be born together um, so wonderfully that they point to the divine light and there's always this risk here on earth that people lose sight of the divine light think that the confessions they're giving with their clunky words are um, the full truth and nothing but the truth and so um, perpetrate murders and other horrors. Dante in telling the story of St Dominic doesn't just tell about his life as a Dominican um, but also talks about the myths of his youth, how his father was called Felix, um, felicitously named as um, Dante puts it, how his mother was called Giovanna, which means grace of God, again, um, given who they bore in their family, um, completely suitable names, the names themselves speaking of what was to come. Um, Dominic himself in his youth was said not to have just shown his great wisdom and insight, intellect, but also his devotion to poverty. Um, so his nurse was said to have asked him, um, why do you sleep on the ground even as a child and um, Dominic said that was because um, he wanted to be wedded to um, the poverty of the gospel which of course is its spiritual greatness um, the realization of its true light so this multiplicity of levels this dancing of circles within circles these this sense of what happens on earth how it does and doesn't reflect what happens in heaven, which does and doesn't lead to true sight of the divine, um, is really brought to fruition here in Canto 12. Um, it develops the sense of the light of the sun, which is not now just the obvious, manifest, most immediately glorious symbol of divine light, but itself draws you into a kind of dynamic that, as its light cascades down upon the earth, um, equally and for all so we can as it were ride back up that cascade um, towards the divine oneness through its diversity and through the many different souls that speak and now as St Thomas had done for the Franciscan order in the previous canto and criticised how it was going wrong to now St Bonifat Venture um, criticises the Dominican order um, he says that they were walking backwards away from Dominic's storehouse of wisdom and um, exemplary life, um, that they risked becoming the tares, not the wheat, in reference to Jesus's parable about the wheat and the tares. Um, it's a strong criticism, criticism never being withheld in paradise, when it's clear and focused and directed towards renewal of divine sight um, and divine light. Um, that is another way in which it differs from criticism on earth, which actually just becomes persecution. And then finally, St Bonaventure confirms who he is. Um, in the canto, he's not actually named himself yet. And it's a good moment for him to name himself, because then he's able to name the other 11 lights in this second circle, um, complementing the inner circle. And he names some well-known figures like Chrysostom, um, Hugh St Victor, 
He names interesting characters as well, some less known now, um, also others well known like St Anselm. But if you remember, already actually in Paradise, St Anselm's Codeus Homo, Why God Became Man, has implicitly been um, rectified in the discussion of the Incarnation um, in relation to the Crucifixion, which we talked back um, a few cantos about. So even in this dy dynamic now, um, is this sense of um, dialectic, different positions coming together. Um, it's not that one is automatically right, but in the tension between the two, transcendent sight um, becomes clear and visible. And then finally, St Bonaventure names the figure of Joachim, who was um, actually a Cistercian, but widely celebrated by the so-called Franciscan spirituals, who were those advocating the more spiritual side of Franciscanism rather than the more conventional side um, that seemed to be losing Francis' um, actual charism. It's very significant that Bonaventure names Joachim last, in a way giving him the highest place, because they had been in profound disagreement in life. Bonaventure had been for the more finely tuned, um, the more insightful notion of ascent, whereas Joachim had stood for the more fiery, passionate notion of ascent and had become very associated with apocalyptic ideas. And in a way, what Bonaventure is clearly signalling here now um, is that both aim to point towards themselves, to point above themselves, and so they find a glorious fellowship here now in this lovely image of the dancing wheels, the dancing light, like a double rainbow. Lights made beautiful because they caught sight of the light in their own way, in their own lives, and now also realise that that light wasn't their own. It was given by the source of all life and light, and they now move in unity and diversity in that glorious array.